What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Lombard Trucking Show. Uh, we're on episode 91. Thank you all for being here. Uh, coming at you live, brought on uh, one of the one of the best friends of the show here, Justin Martin of Freight Waves. And there's been some news trickling down the grapevine recently. There's a congressman out there out of Virginia. His name is Bob Good, and he's uh, he's introduced a, a, a bad bill. And uh, and it's it's crazy because this is a guy who's a, he's a member of the Freedom Caucus. We've been making friends in Congress with CDLDU, uh, who happen to be on the Freedom Caucus uh, specifically. I've mentioned HR thirty thirty nine on this show several times, which would prevent mandatory speed limiters. But uh, first and foremost, let me welcome welcome back to the show, Justin Martin. What's up, man? Nothing much, man, dude. I gotta say, since the first time I came on, well, like almost a, over a year ago. It has been such a joy watching your profile just grow. You know, you, you, not to say that like you were nothing at the time, but like compared to where you are now, you're, you're like not even the same person. Yeah. Th- things have changed. I, I'll t- I mean, just in the last 18 months alone, since, uh, you know, since getting my own truck, uh, I mean, it's been, it's been a trial by fire. And what I did was, is I just, you know, kept, I keep asking questions and I keep wanting to talk to people and I just keep wanting to talk to drivers. And I think one of the best things I did with this show was pivot from just me, you know, uh, solo talking, telling my story to getting other people's stories on there. And just, and I, I remember reiterating this once saying like, and, and this is, I think true in any sort of business, like whenever you're going to go into business or kind of quote, invest in yourself, as they say, like you gotta, you gotta become obsessed with it. You gotta mm-hmm. like want to know everything, talk to everybody. I mean, this is, and not to pull, you know, and this, I know this is on brand for me, but I mean, you know, Napoleon studied Caesar, Caesar <laughs> studied Alexander. Like if you want to, if you want to advance and, and I'm not saying that I, you know, I, I'm going to be, you know, uh, you know, I'm going to be the Napoleon of trucking, which would be great, which, you know, you never know, never say <laughs> never. But I mean, you know, if you're going to get involved in something, or if you, if you're very interested in something, go all in, study what the greats are doing. And by all means, you know, you you come with a, a, a storied trucking career. Uh, Rachel's, you know, one of the most knowledgeable uh, in regards to journalism in the industry. And then, you know, and then Gord, and Gord and his experience and just everybody who comes on from each of their corners. I've learned so so much and, and the show and and like the amount that all the people who come on my show have shined. And then the only re- and the only reason that the show has had the growth it's had is because of the, the people who have come on and the conversations we had. So. Dude, I, I want to thank you for that. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Yeah, I've always been like, anyone I, I network with, I'm like, you got to have Lombard on your show. You got to have Lombard. So the guy's energy is just through the roof. Uh, I see him going places. And yeah, you, you're performing beyond my wildest expectations. No, I, I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we're, I'm hoping to take this off in a different direction. I mean, like, you know, there's guys out there who 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 do freight media well, love, mm-hmm. you love Paul and the freight and freight caviar and, and the, and the, and the gentleman over there at USA transportation. I know Asian Mai's got a good show. Uh, the, the gentleman over there at truck and hustle, he, he does great. And he, he, he actually has agreed to come on the show soon. The, uh, Ma- Manuel, I believe his, his name is he's, he's coming on the show, he, but each of their own has their own separate kind of niche and personality. And, and I think that, um, I don't think that, when it comes to freight media, it's oversaturated enough not to keep no, the show rolling. Not at all. And I mean, we, we've grown, we've been growing what the truck, like on the social medias for about a year and a half now. And just, I'd say once we hit, once we passed like 3000 followers on TikTok on uh, Twitter and 30,000 on TikTok, I really noticed 
the re- the responses are different. It used to, it felt in the beginning like we were just kind of shouting into the void, but then like we've kind of found our voice and more importantly found our audience, and that's really resonated. Like I, I get so much more positive feedback now than we ever did in the beginning because in the beginning it was just people, you know, sharing their dumb opinions back and forth. But now it's like, hey, you know, Lombard, what the truck, Asian Mai, these are all guys that they can like hit up and say. I work for company X, Y, and Z. This is the stuff I'm noticing. Um, so it's really exciting to see um, fans and, and viewers like reach, reaching out to us. Asian Mai is actually going to be on What the Truck tomorrow. I, I got bumped. Oh, dude, <laughs> I'm, that's not... I'm supposed to be on the show every Wednesday, and uh, Duna was like, "Nah, I'm cutting you tomorrow because we got Asian Mai on." So I was like, "All right, he's a he's a big fish." I got yeah, I got to text him back because I I met him at Matt's, and I know he told me he'd come on the show. I just genuinely want to get his story too. He's, he's a good guy, but no, you're right. I mean, I get tagged in a, like I'm at the point now on TikTok, similar to what the truck where people are tagging me in videos about like certain, uh, mm-hmm. any, anything like drama related because people have seen that I've made comments on autonomous Kodiak. I talk about crispy on the ATA. I really, you know, when it comes to the, the truckers of TikTok, nobody goes on there and talks about the ATA and stuff. Like they'll talk about, the Teamsters a little bit, and there was a little bit of yellow drama, but nobody really, nobody's linking, making Machiavellian compare comparisons to the ATA and how, how we need to take them out. Like, not a lot of drivers know about the ATA and their and their narrative and, and all this stuff. So it's like, there's very, I mean, not even and not even Asian Mai nor Truck and Hustle really bring kind of bring that up. Like they don't bring up the kind of stuff that like the driver shortage narrative. Mm-hmm. Like they they haven't honed in on that and kind of cradled that because that's like the crux of where a lot of this content comes from because it's like the foundation of where some of the systemic oppressions of the industry are are, are kind of coming from so i i'm excited that I, there's only there's only room for what the truck and this show and i think what everybody's doing in regards to freight media to to go up and yeah, yeah it gets it gets me fired up when when you've been doing this for like the last year or two what was like were there any like topics you really touched on that like really shot your profile up? I think uh, like as an engagement on TikTok or maybe the show. I like, oh, just anything just... like like with us. Like I would say our coverage of Yellow just really like level like mm-hmm. that went up like five levels. I would say because I would have people maybe once a week or maybe once a month DM us and say, "Hey, love your content," and then that was it. They they just post in the DMs and ghost. But now it's like every day I got driver after driver saying, you know, you guys informed us better than like our company like so many yellow drivers especially mm-hmm. have hit us up and, and and me you know blowing up my phone saying hey this is what's happening um please get the word out because we're doing a better job of like networking people together and getting the information out than like the company was directly to to their employees which i don't begrudge i mean it's a, it's an impossible task really so much was happening at the time that uh, you know every the rumor mill was like out of control um and trying to like confirm everything before you kind of put it out there uh, was a, was like a really daunting task. So kudos to Rachel and all the fine people at Freight Waves for really uh, putting in the hard work with that. Yeah, I'd say the two biggest pivots that had probably happened like engagement wise was when is uh, when I had Gord on the show for the first time. And for anybody, is this your first time listening? Go back and listen to my episode, an interview with Gord McGill. And that's where kind of like that's kind of where I almost got like red pilled a little bit. It started with, I first listened to Gord when he went on odd lots, uh, you know, which is a Bloomberg podcast and that. And I was like, God damn, this man's a fucking genius. This is the dark night right here. And like, and lo and behold, like, so, 
and Gord is is a normal person like us, and he wasn't hard to get a hold of. And then so he came on the show, and then from there, I was like, man, I, I really want to put the hammer down on like talking to drivers and you know, and just like just keep and just keeping the content going, so to speak. Because and it, it stuck with me ever since Gord came on. Because when we talked about solutions, he said we need to keep talking. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the things he says is we need to keep talking. So I was like, well, I want to keep doing that. So from there, me personally is when I wanted to like is when I really pivoted into more of advocacy, getting involved with CDLDU. But I get, but engagement wise, it really sh- shot up. Like I guess the my presence on. Uh, my presence on social media and what's gained listeners was that when I had Jesse Barrymore on and when I made that and that uh, and I made a TikTok advertising our episode because uh, that TikTok got like 750,000 views where oh, wow. I called myself the supply chain crisis actor. And so and that <laughs> so that jumped me up like, you know, like that jumped me up from like 2000 to 8000 TikTok followers. And that's when people started to realize, oh, you have a show, you have a show. And it kind of went went from there and then it's just just like so it's slowly coming and i don't even remember what episode jesse was and i recorded that episode back in february with with, with jesse and i believe with gord it was in december so it's really probably winter of this year you know when 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 the bears were hibernating you know we we were we were out on the on the attack and that i'd say that's and it's just gone from there and then from that you know and from there it's just like it's just not stopping. Like I'm just going to keep it going because I get messages. I, I've gotten messages. It all it takes is one, you know. And I think Candace came on the show. She said, you know, you know, you know, Jesus will leave the 99 for the one of the herd. And that's the thing. I got one message from a guy who's like, I've been trucking for 20 something years. I like what you have to say on your show. If somebody like that's going to message me positivity, then I have no reason to stop. Yeah. And, yeah. And, Men especially just they remember every single compliment they've ever given. They've ever been given. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. When I did the ride along with um Plus AI at F3 last year, um their driver that they used to train the AI his name was Christian. This is a guy with like 3 million like I maybe crack 100 maybe or a million maybe one and a half million in my career. Plus 15 years behind the wheel. This guy had 3 million miles behind the wheel. So he's forgotten more stuff than I will ever know about truck driving and right at the end of our, our ride he goes you're a good driver and man i've been i've been riding that high ever since <laughs> oh yeah man that, that'll keep you going that's <laughs> that yeah that'll get that's some christmas spirit to, to fucking run on there yeah those mm-hmm. compliments those those sit with you and yeah anytime an old school guy has said i really like what you have to say or you know it's crazy you know this much you know having you know having been this you know having been so young like not been doing it for, for decades and stuff like that. And it's because, well, I'm talking to people who have been doing it for decades and I've learned the history and I also have a name behind it. You know, I was talking to my dad recently on the phone and, you know, he echoes his, how, how proud he's been of me, especially in regards to the show. And I said, well, I have, you know, I don't have any of this without my last name, you know, without Mm. you and, you, you know, and your father, you know, and your father and his father before him. So that's, that's who I really get, give a lot of the credit to. And I, and I, and honestly, it's just, I found this stuff is very interesting. What I love about this stuff is, and what people don't get is everything we talk about in freight is indicative of everything else going on in society. Yeah. All the political stuff, all the bills, the labor movement, UP, uh, you know, because and on one side of the spectrum, you have drivers like UPS getting a raise, but then on the flip side, you have guys, you know, uh, making no money uh, from rates bottoming out. So, I mean, and all of this is very much spread out throughout because this is happening at Amazon warehouses. This is happening 
to nurses. This is happening to teachers. Like a, a lot of what we talk about is all parallel to a lot of other stuff going on. And it's just like, so that's what kind of also keeps me going. It's like, it's not just about one set different niche. This is all, this is, it's a microcosm of what's going on throughout the whole country. Trucking is the number one occupation for non-college educated males in the country. Um, there was that really viral video with Tucker Carlson, and Ben Shapiro that went uh, nuts, I think last year where uh, Ben asked him, you know, if, if you were, you know, emperor of America and you had a magic wand, would you pass a law to, you know, prohibit autonomous vehicles from advancing and uh, taking jobs uh, from American citizens? And Tucker's reply was, are you joking? In a second. And that, like, and I understood immediately why that went as viral as it did because um, people who want to push technology as quickly as they can don't don't have the the foresight to like realize that they're going to be wrestling with um, political and and societal consequences from that um, like we've never seen. Like you're gonna you're gonna see such a populist backlash from that, and okay, like, okay, you, you really sure you want to go there? And yeah, I, that, I, don't, I don't think enough people like kind of think of it that way. No, they, they just think people, because nothing's happened on that macro scale yet. And this is what yeah. we're learning with, with the advancement of AI is like, this isn't the advancement of AI. And I, and I think Gord shared a good sub stack about this and it, it, it written by somebody else. And it was like, and it said like, it had talked about the tech problem and the issues with tech is it's not as innovative as something like the steam engine. It's not like the automobile like what, what these inventions do aren't for true utility. So, so to speak, like they're like, it's not, you know, there was, there's always a demand to get someplace faster. You know, mm -hmm. there's a, like, of course it's faster to take a car than a horse. Of course, a, a steam powered ship is going to be better than a coal five, you know, or however ships, but, but a ship with sails, whatever, whatever, you know, what I'm trying to say, like, of course it's innovative, but, you know, I believe the article he said, there's nothing innovative about parking your car, getting out, pulling out your phone, scanning a QR code, having to pay, insert your payment information, and, then, and to do all of this stuff just to pay for parking. And, then, and it's the same thing with the autonomous. Like the the amount of like I mean, the, the fact is, and I said this on the show a couple episodes ago. You know, people thought AI and Craig Fuller, great great tweets, great tweet thread from him about how everybody thought that AI and autonomous was going to come for the blue collar world first. And we're fast. And I, he worded it mm -hmm. so well. We're, we're fast. You know, people are starting to realize that it's much harder to automate the three dimensional world as it is the you know, the two the two dimensional world with with with, with what's going on. AI researchers way back in like the 60s and 70s kind of like realized early on that it's really, really hard for computers to see the world the way that we do, which is why as computers have gotten you know better and better today it takes so much more data to really see um everything in as like as, as high fidelity detail as we do um so one you just first you got to be able to look at everything then you have to be able to like map everything in 3d space and interact with it and because we're like social creatures like i can make eye contact with you and send you social cues way faster than a computer would ever be able to interpret it like we may we may reach that point one day, but like right now today, we're seeing AI taxis in 
Southern California just completely grind to a screeching halt whenever, you know, a cone is put on their hood because they just, they don't, they don't have any, any foresight to realize like, that's not, you know, an obstacle in my path. Yeah. These are, these are problems that will be fixed one day, but right now it's, it's like every single step is just like one thing after another. Yeah. And, and my, and, and there's, and there's a moral argument to this. It's just, if you're going to be dumping millions of dollars into something, I just, we look at our society, you know, look at, you know, you know, we just had this, that, that I, I'd be remiss to not talk about that viral song uh, that that has you know took off over the weekend. Oh, yeah. The R- Richmond, North of Richmond. You know, it describes pretty much how a lot of people in our country feel for the most part I, on both sides of the spectrum everywhere. I know pundits on Twitter are trying to, you know, people are trying to put it into an echo chamber. You can't because the song is 100 percent true. Uh, but like, look at the problems we do have. And it's just to dump all this money into into torch millions of dollars into stuff that's not working all for an end result that still doesn't benefit anybody. Like, like even if the trucks were autonomous tomorrow and everything was worked and it was safe and there was no risk of killing anybody, what, what does that do for us as society? And I've said it before, it's not going to make anything cheaper. Like, do you think, because just because the, uh, you know, I've said it before, if, if the, if the operating expense of paying a driver goes away, you know, uh, then, like, are there, are, do you think companies are going to accept lower revenue and or lower profits? Like they're just going to. Well, another thing too, that surprised me is the data storage involved with a lot of these vehicles. That's, what's going to really raise the, raise the rates is um, it might not even be cheaper to have an autonomous truck than to have meat in the seat. As I like to say, because whatever salary you're paying that driver might be more than, uh, I'm sorry, whatever data storage costs you're having for that autonomous vehicle might be more than whatever salary you were paying to that driver in the first place. I, I remember we were reading about this. This is, uh, this was like data. Somebody put this together because it had to do with Verizon. Yeah. It had to do with data service with Verizon, just with the storage of, I think ELD stuff. I forget. I, we'd, I'll have to pull that, pull that article back up because yeah, the, the data storage of, of all these trucks. I mean, you figure, you know, you figure there's three to 4 million trucks in there. And not only that, this is just, you know, because they're they're not just doing this with semi trucks. They're talking, you're talking box trucks. You know, they're they're trying to automate a lot of that stuff because I mean they're already trying to do it with Amazon delivery vans. Yeah. Oh, it, it, this goes way beyond trucking too. Like um, every police department with um, you know, chest worn front facing cameras, all that storage or all that all that data on those cameras has to go into a cloud somewhere. So they're racking up cloud storage fees. Um, yeah, it, it's so funny to me how like all this tech was like supposed to be like this huge boon, but then they're kind of principalities are realizing like, oh, this stuff's really expensive because now we're paying all these monthly storage, uh, storage fees. Man, that's holy shit. If it talk about foresight is if, <laughs> if only there was a way to, if only there was a way to go back and like, it, how do you figure out how to invest in data storage facilities? Buy buy up as many yeah. uh, hard drives as possible and just start racking up servers somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, that's 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 another interesting caveat. I think people for, forget, but we we can go on about this for a while. Let's in and actually, what we're about to get into kind of it kind of all go, goes ties into this because it has to do with you know the with tech with false narratives out there. So this this congressman Bob Good this came across our desk. It was the Schmitz who sent this to you, Lee and Lisa? It was sent to Gord via the Schmitz, and then Gord shared it with us, mm-hmm. yeah. 
So this is this Congressman Bob Good. He's he's from Virginia, and I, and we'll we'll look him up in a minute. But th- this is the, the the bill. It's the Trucking Workforce Improvement Act. And if you if Justin, if you want to queue it up, we'll we'll put it on the screen for anybody who's watching via video. And I'm kind of just gonna. The summary is that the Trucking Workforce Improvement Act would repeal a recent Biden regulation. So this is what I don't like about it. They're trying to make this partisan. It, uh, you know, the, 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 the rhetoric of this bill, they're trying to make it partisan or whatever. If people can read it. Biden regulation on training for commercial driver's license CDL that has worsened a national shortage, national shortage of truckers and decimated <laughs> the economy. And I don't believe that this is a Biden regulation. I think this is something that correct. Weren't we talking about that? This doesn't have to do with the Biden, but it will come back to that. This regulation mandates that truckers complete a federal government approved entry level driving driver training in order to acquire a CDL background. For years, truckers have been able to complete a variety of different safety trainings regulated by each state in order to obtain a CDL license. On February 7, 2022, a finalized rule went into effect, taking power away from the states and removing flexibility from companies and drivers. This regulation mandates that all truckers complete the DOT um, entry-level driver training and create a federal registry to track compliance. Since its implementation, this reg has made obtaining a CDL more costly, difficult, and time-consuming for employers and potential employees. While the new CDL regs impact America's supply chain and any industry that relies on trucking has especially hurt small businesses in the agricultural sector. I don't know if that's true. Since the rule took effect, access to the training course has become more burdensome for students. Students can now expect to pay an additional 2500 to 8500 for classes with training time increasing to 20 days in certain cases. Training time increasing 20 days. Wow, 20 days your training increases to drive an 80,000-pound vehicle hmm. through the Rockies? You don't say. By 20 by this and this is the best part. By 2030, the industry could see a shortage of 160,000 truck drivers. They just keep getting bigger. Yeah, they just they doubled it. It's doubled. Eighty thousand. Yeah, it's done. Would the cost of training be a major barrier to entry, according to industry, according to industry experts? Uh, The cost being the bottom line, the Trucking Workforce Improvement Act would remove unnecessary federal regulation, create jobs by increasing flexibility for employer and employees and stabilize the industry workforce. But while lowering the cost of obtaining a CDL, let's 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 get into that, because it's it's a bunch of bullshit. Well, to, okay, to play devil's advocate, there are things in there that I like and I agree with, but then there's other things. It's, it's sort of like, yeah, there are things that I, I agree with and I like, but then also where they're getting their sources from and how they're justifying what they want to do is, is completely beside the point and just completely wrong. Yeah, I just, because, he, you know, and Gord has mentioned this too, that that's the thing. The government is all about. When it comes to politicians, they always want to create jobs. They always want to create jobs. Like there's always this shortage of jobs. We need to make more jobs. They love every election cycle. They're like, I created these many jobs. I created this. And it's just the the point that they're not understanding is they don't need to create any more jobs. The jobs are available. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all there. But the idea of what, what I don't like is what, like the, the rhetoric here of making it sound bad to raise barriers to entry like the, the, the making it sound because barrier because not having barriers to entry we just record an entire round table about fraud i've spent mm-hmm. the last several episodes talking about fraud in the industry we have indentured servitude at our ports uh, where you know new immigrants are locked into contracts as 1099 employees and their immigration status is held hostage so the barrier the, the fact that there are no barriers to entry there's there's literally none 
and they want to and this and and now they want to double down and make it even easier yeah the whole the whole talking point about like oh this is you know getting a CDL is more expensive now because you know all these additional regulations sure that is going to add additional cost to your CDL but you know what else is going to add additional cost to your CDL is all the grants that go along with it like most people going into CDL training now aren't paying that out of pocket you know like you mentioned in a previous episode in Texas um, or maybe it was Gore's podcast. I, I get your guys' episodes mixed up sometimes, but there was he was talking with um, somebody from like the workforce program in Texas, and how you know if you want to collect unemployment, you have to be proving that you're either in a job training program or constantly applying for new jobs. And what's one of the first things that people get funneled into in a system like that is CDL training, because all the person behind the counter knows is, hey, there's a truck driver shortage. If you want to make good money, be a truck driver. That's it's not the case at all. Yeah, Gord recorded a show with a gentleman who works for the unemployment office in Maryland. Maryland, and, the, and the, yeah, and this is what they were doing. But when I was at CDL school, I was at school with three people who were sent there by the unemployment office, which is the state forcing people to go to to be to become truck drivers, unwilling people to become yeah, to become that, truck drivers. That's that's the crazy part is like if you're a, a single mom with like four kids at home. Um, and you're in CDL training to get to get a, a class A. The only jobs are going to be tra- they're going to be hiring you are ones where you're going to be away from home for you know weeks and potentially months at a time. Like that's not the kind of job you need to be going into. I I definitely feel for people in that position. Like they need a job. They need a, they need a, a damn good paying job. Um, and trucking can pay the bills, but you have to be given like the full picture before you go into something like that. And I don't think enough people are given the full picture. And that's why. Uh, and part of that is why the, the turnover rates are so damn high. You know, back 15, 16 years ago when I went through CDL training, it was 86 of us or 84 in my class. Only 16 graduated with our CDLs. And within a year, I was the only one still driving a truck. Yeah. And, that, and that's only gotten, that's only gotten worse. There, Yeah. There's, there's your shortage. Like, and that's like, the, those are, these are clear cut, easy stats. People could see. Now I want to dive into this regulation because, you know, he's, you know, Congress isn't good here. He's butthurt, you know, has to specifically say it's a Biden regulation. And look, hey, we're yeah, no fans of his, his Twitter is <laughs> yeah. just like the most partisan hackery kayfabe WWE politics I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, part, it, part of me loves it. Cause I'm like, okay, I can, I clearly see that this guy's the undertaker. Biden is a, uh, you know, stone cold Steve Austin and they're going to go out and duke it out. But then behind the scenes, they'll clap each other on the back and then collect their, uh, <laughs> collect their checks. Yeah, it's 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 annoying, but I, I want to see what this is. And right on the FMCSA website, so this entry level driver training regulation, it's the FMC is is regulation set baseline requirements for entry level drivers, tan class A or A, B, C, D, D, L. The yeah, ELDT sure. requirements are not retroactive. Uh, yeah, are you bringing it up now? Yep. Yeah, we can bring it up here. We'll add it to the stream. People can read uh, if they are watching. So. What do these people have to do? What's what's different about this? I'm assuming because as far as I know, I'm in Facebook. I'm on Facebook pages where there are still people going to CDL schools through mega carriers. There are people who are still paying their ways through school. I'm assuming did schools just have to get a new curriculum? I believe it was they needed additional hours um, with an instructor. So, th- so they're they're trying to introduce this. So additional hours, and I just want and like because here's you know this is the curious case of Schrodinger's trucker again. Is once again you have this guy 
on here saying it's making it harder. You're going to have to, you're, you need more, tr- you know, they're going to have to train more to get a CDL crazy idea, right? More mm-hmm. training. Imagine thinking that more training is a bad thing to start a job. That's one of the top 10 most dangerous in the country. But, and then on the other side, most civilians, you know, four wheelers, whoever, there are people, you know, we have the truck safety coalition and people trying to lobby to where we need speed limiters. Uh, these, you know, these, the drivers aren't safe. Like, so on, on one end, it's like, we need to get more driver, you know, we need to allow more people to just funnel into this job. But at the same time, there's this whole safety, th- you know, argument, like where you're arguing how about how unsafe commercial vehicles are, but in the same breath, you're like, oh my God, we're making it harder for people because of this FMCSA reg where people have to train more. It, it's, I, I don't get the, and what's crazy about that is because the safety, the people lobbying for the safety are making strides in getting what they want. <laughs> but when the FMCSA actually maybe raised the barrier to entry and could make things kind of safer, you know, it's getting pushed back by politicians. All you have to do is look, look at the companies that nobody ever talks about as far as shortages go, you know, Walmart, UPS, um, you know, Avery, we just had them on the show today. Um, these are companies with maybe, less than half of the turnover of the, of the, on average of the, of the industry. Those are the kind of companies that like other companies need to emulate instead of constantly like lowering the barrier to entry and lowering standards and then having to compensate that with tons of really expensive, burdensome surveillance. That's just going to drive those people you just hired out the door, set a standard, train people to that standard. If they don't meet that standard, take corrective action. And then if that's still not working, then, you know, obviously boot them. But the I think the solution for all of this is um, basically what Jocko Willink says about like the Navy SEALs, decentralized command, have high standards, compensate well, and people will be beating the door down to, to drive for you, not not the other way around. Dude, I'm glad you brought up that reference because I, I wouldn't have came up with that because I've, I've read that same thing that same thing before it's it's the easiest way to way to way to solve the problem right there i mean it's just it's it's almost uncanny because the answers are there you know that that's the the answers are there they're being painted out by the largest companies out there we you know you just named them you know walmart uh averitt's another one yeah we see what ups is doing and this is and we have the argument on the sides of both union and non we have walmart and ups and this is how it was pre-deregulation is where you still had independence you know, even though the majority weren't independents, but the independents were still the money was still green for them because the unions made sure that, you know, rates were set high. So the standard of what the pay is, it's the same thing now. UPS and the Teamsters are doing well. But hey, look, you, you came on the show before. Number one reason people leave Walmart is what retirement retirement. yeah. Like and that's and that's what you 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 want it to be. And it's it, it's it's so the answers are out there. But it's almost like they're being – I don't know who's not hearing them. I don't know how they're not being heard when these companies are, are generating billions of dollars. Yeah, if, if I'm um, – I'll put my mega carrier hat on. If, if, if I'm a CEO or some C-suite guy at a, at a mega carrier like that, I'm instead of like listening to all these people like trying to sell me a product to like solve my issues, I need to be looking at what my competition does to succeed and emulate them. Um I don't know why more more companies don't do that because that one it raises the barrier for or it raises the standards for everybody, which improves the industry as a whole. And also, like, why would you want a constant rotation of, of people that are potentially going to put your company at risk 
with these like multi-million dollar lawsuits with you know accidents yeah and you know and the only way these companies are able to survive is because they self-insure which actually kind of leads me to another thing that this bill kind of essentially is this is almost a lie right here it says with the new cdl regulation impact that while the new cdl regulations impact america's supply chain in any industry that relies on trucking which is which is everyone you know we get it. That's just trying to drive on the point. It has especially hurt small businesses in the agriculture sector. But that's wildly untrue because small businesses in the agriculture sector are aren't up, uh, aren't being um, destroyed by this federal regulation. They're being gate- small businesses in the ag sector are being gate kept by insurance companies. Yeah. Like because you have no choice when you like. So if I go out myself, go get my CDL. I get a commercial driver's license. I can't go work for a small business or for the ag sector because that farmer and that small business, if my CDL isn't two years old, their insurance could be close to $30,000 a year. Yeah. You know, it has, so it has nothing to do with, so if anything, maybe more training on CDLs and a raised barrier to entry justifies insurance companies to lower their rates. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, to, not to defend insurance companies, but my wife works for one, so I will. Um, I mean, it's expensive for them to, to cover drivers. You know, it, they they're they're not stupid. They they have the data on accidents and stuff, and they see that you know safety is down, accidents are up, fatalities are up. So yeah, they're going to be a little more litigious about who they're going to be covering, and if they are going to cover a driver for you, you're going to be paying through the nose for it. Yeah, it's it. that's who the real gatekeepers is you know at the end of this thing he says that you know the bottom line the trucking workforce proven act would remove unnecessary federal regulations and it's just that's the thing that's that's catering to his base and i get it this guy's a republican you know he wants to keep his job he's trying to make it seem like he's removing regulations because republicans like to always act like the removing regulations is always the 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 do-all end-all of 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 a quote free market all, but, all, always removing regulations, but never subsidies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny, yeah. The subsidies can't go away. <laughs> yeah, can't. They'll keep subsidizing the CDL school, but these reg regulations will magically disappear. But he says it removes unnecessary federal regulations. I just don't know how you can look somebody in the face and say, "Hey, removing, you know, having better training or having more training and raising the barrier to entry for uh, one of the top ten most dangerous jobs." is is un, is an unnecessary fe- federal regulation when the uh, the only un, like i don't see what what is unnecessary about you know uh, an improved uh, training program like i said i don't even know what the details are because as far as i know i talk to new drivers all the time nothing's changed no like they, nothing's been nothing's been added there's you know it's nothing's gotten really harder for people to get their CDL. The only thing that's gotten harder or is more cumbersome now is getting your ASMAT. I think you, cause you need to go to an approved ASMAT course. You need to pay for it or something. You need to pay like a hundred bucks and do like online courses about it. But as, as far as I know, I mean, this bill definitely gets a, a no from me uh, big time. Anybody out there? I, I don't see what it, it doesn't help anybody. I'm trying to remember. Cause I, I had my CDL, but I didn't get my hazmat for like my first year and a half. And then when I went to go haul, um, for the DOD contract, I had to get my hazmat. All I did was I went to the Florida DMV and took a test and got fingerprinted and I had my hazmat. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's changed now because what's it called? Um, 
Yeah, because I've seen people talk about the hazmat. You have to, you literally have to buy a course online now. Mm-hmm. It's. It... I, I ended up dropping it because when I moved from Florida to Pennsylvania, um, I wanted to carry my my hazmat over. And they were saying like I needed a letter from like Homeland Security and like all this extra stuff. And I was like, you know, what? drop it. I'm hauling mail. If it explodes, we got bigger problems. Yeah, let's. I, I want to see what these what these requirements are because I'm I'm looking I'm looking up what these. Yeah, it looks like it it raises it to these class A applicants. No, still on the yeah entry level driver training. It's I think it he was raised to maybe forty hours or sixty hours or something for of behind the wheel. I I'll have to do more deep diving and what this is actually repealing. The only federal regulations that need to be repealed as of right now is the uh, what's the bill we were discussing before we got on the live. Uh, the, the one, the FLSA the got, exemption, the Got Truckers Act, Guaranteed Overtime for Truckers Act. Yeah, the the Guaranteed Overtime for Truckers Act is the only one that Man, removes. Talk talk about a game changer. If if that gets pay, like first, most people outside of trucking don't realize that truck drivers aren't paid overtime for the most part. Like like the vast 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 majority. Um, only only companies that pay by the hour, which is already like a small minority in trucking, and typically most for the most part, it's like union. Uh, uh, operations that that pay overtime. Um, you know, I wasn't pay, I wasn't ever paid by the hour. Uh, I'm sorry. I had I had one job that paid uh, per hour when I was working at the port in Philly, and it wasn't it wasn't much. It was I was just working for a guy and his son. Um, but then when I was a male contractor, um, I was paid fat, flat rate. So every day paid 12 hours. But if I could do 10 hours, I was still paid for for 12. But if I worked over the hours, they would just I would just log it in, and I was paid the like it was. 25 an hour uh but then when i went to the post office it was time and a half after eight hours and double time after 10 yeah and and i'm i'm not sure why that didn't happen after the motor carrier act in 1980 because the whole justification behind the motor carrier act of 1980 which i which i think which like i said is what started this whole race to the bottom but you know they you know the argument in dc was oh we're still living under fdr's you know motor carrier rules we need to update it the whole idea was to update it and blah blah, blah free market bullshit jimmy carter was just trying to save his ass because the, you know the country was going through hyperinflation mm-hmm. um but the thing is you know they're like we need to bring it up to modern day and it's like well you didn't bring it up to modern day with the overtime you know they kept the overtime exemption for truck drivers when in reality the reason why they made that overtime exemption back you know at you know what was it 1938 i think they did it because yeah. the motor carrier act was in 35 and they, they exempted it in 38 it's because they realized the directions they're like okay well you have these independents but then you have the unions that are doing this it, it doesn't it's not really applying because of how the it, pay scales work yeah it was all equaling out in the end eventually but i mean com- com- comparing rates to what they were back then to what they are now post inflation it's we're, we're through the floor right now um yeah if there was a if there was a, a rule or reg set up so that everybody was paid by the hour plus overtime there would be like a huge um streamlining effect in the supply chain especially reefer I can't tell you how many times, and you, and you know this talking to other drivers, you get to a, a grocery warehouse somewhere, and because your trailer is on the door, they'll just use you as storage to like move stuff around in the warehouse while they're loading and unloading. I, I've had that happen to me tons of times. I, I, I show up to someplace like delivering cabbage, they'll unload my cabbage, and then I sit there and I could feel them shuffling stuff on and off the truck, and it's so that they can like move stuff around inside the warehouse. So they're using your equipment 
not, you're not they're not paying you for it, and then you're they're wasting your time. If if carriers could charge places for the time that they're wasted, oh man, that that would be so sweet. Yeah, it it, it really it and it would help the small businesses too because there's mm-hmm. still owner operators out there. And I said this, uh, I said this on the last episode. There's guys, you know that that's how perfectly. That's how great the establishment has done at dividing the trucking industry since deregulation is they've made it to where truckers can't even agree on giving them on giving themselves a raise. You know, you, in one breath on Facebook, guys would be like, it's not how it used to be. Where's the brotherhood? But then in the same in this and but then in the next sentence, they'll go, oh, we shouldn't be paying overtime. I don't get overtime as an owner operator. So why should another driver yet? They want to they want more yeah. unity, but yeah. they don't want actually unity. No, I, one of the one of the most like demoralizing things I can do to a driver when they brag about like how much they're making for the week because of how many miles they drove is I ask them, okay, break it down per per hour, because like sure you you ran a lot of miles and you're making a lot of money. How much were you average that out per per hour? And it's man, if it's over if it's more than twenty bucks an hour, you know it's impressive at this point. Yeah, it, it definitely the the hours work definitely doesn't reflect. Uh, the hours paid. And I get it. I mean, that's, you know, but there's, it's still, it still can be a good, good paycheck for, for many people out there. I'm not going to, I, this isn't, you know, if anybody's listening, I hope this doesn't actually discourage you, but there are, there's ways to make it better. The, the overall, the overall, you know, the over pressing issue is, is it needs to improve because look at what they keep talking about with the, you know, for the most part, a lot of these companies have turnover rates over a hundred percent. They've preached this driver shortage narrative and all that they use this for is to maintain control. So this isn't to deter anybody to start driving or to get into trucking or to get into transportation. It's just that if some of these issues aren't addressed correctly, then we're going to start running into issues where they start to rush autonomous. And we were talking before the show started where, I mean, uh, you know, there are venture capitalists who are essentially investing in these autonomous companies being fed the narrative of the driver shortage. So they think they're investing millions of dollars to save America from this 160,000, you know, dry driver shortage, you know, and it's like by 2030, you know, how come we're not short, you know, by the ATA's logic, we should be short 2 million drivers yeah. by now. Yeah. It, it's funny how you have a shortage for that long, but then when you look at like the pay data and the rates and all this, all the numbers show that it's, it's a surplus, not a shortage. And, um, Craig does a really Craig Fuller Freightways. He does a really good job of showing that like trucking is a commodity. You know, it, it ebbs and flows. It, it has to go. It goes with like the tide of um, the markets and stuff. You know, it's it's cyclical. To to ever say that there's like a flat, static, you know, exact number of drivers that we're going to be short by timeline X Y Z, it's make believe. It's it's complete horseshit. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you just this month twenty two thousand drivers. Poof, out of a job right there. They still don't calculate that in their math. It's always eighty thousand. Yeah, well, 160,000. Now, now it's 160. <laughs> they're, and, they're, they're literally doubling down. <laughs> yeah. And if there was a true shortage like this, and this is recent, this isn't old news. This is a, a you know, this Congressman Bob Good's thing is recent. If this was, if there was a true shortage, then in a market based off of supply and demand, then you'd see a, a sharp increase in freight rates and wages. Mm-hmm. The, the wages and rates would, would, would show for it. And it's just not. What, one of, my, one, of my, one of my favorite people online on Twitter is um, Eric Weinstein. He's an economist, um, and he has this great quote. In market economies, there are there is no such thing as a long-term labor shortage. So that, that doesn't apply just to trucking. It's, it's literally everything. Bus driver shortages, teacher shortages, nurses shortages, 
all of it basically at the end comes down to just pay. It's the same thing. It's it's always turnover is really high in these industries. People that are that are in it at the top rate, they're just biding their time till they retire. But the new people coming in, they come in, they don't like the way they're treated or the pay or whatever, or the work-life balance isn't working out, so they wash out. That's not a shortage. That's turnover. And it, so, yeah, I'm just rambling here. But it, it, it again, anytime you hear shortage, your ears need to like start perking up and go, okay, don't think of it as shortage. Think of it as turnover. Because chances are that that's really... I mean, there, there definitely are industries where there, there are shortages, but like you have to be able to back it up with, with something more than just calling. Do you ever, do you ever find out how the ATA came up with that 80,000 number? No, I, I want you to get that on here. Cause there's, there's a re there's you, they've skewed the data off something. It's almost like they, they twisted a narrative. So, um, Gore did this podcast years ago with this guy, Oliver Bateman. He's a really good uh, writer. Um, also really active on Twitter. He found out that the way the ATA came up with that number is they just called up their associates, their, their companies that they're teamed up with. And they said, Hey, uh, how many drivers do you think you could hire right now? And the ATA or their associates would say, well, if rates were X, Y, Z, I could hire this many drivers. And they spit out a number. And all they did was they took like a small sample of the people that they are, the carriers that they called and just extrapolated that out, like in a straight line oh. to like the industry <laughs> as a whole. <laughs> so, so yeah, if you could, how many could you hire? Oh, well, I guess under this. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. And then this is being sold as gospel to mm-hmm. our government who, and they've done but, they've done an amazing job at selling it i i just i like to just if i'm bored i'll just go on twitter search driver shortage and then hit uh, sort by by latest and it's just like post after post after post and i'll just hop in and say not a shortage not a shortage not a shortage every once in a while somebody will take the bait and they'll reply well i just googled article x y and z and here it says here there's a shortage and it's like okay I'm glad you took the bait. Now I'm going to walk you through step by step of how this happened. It's really hard to try and get people to realize how they were sold a narrative like that. Well, we we live in the we live in the culture now where everyone pushes up their glasses and go, "Where's your source? <clears throat> source? Source? Oh, really? What's your source? The source is I'm right and you're wrong." Well, <laughs> so, and you have to be. So I like I like to be a little tactical with this. I have to first at first I have to see like who it is I'm like arguing with. If it's somebody with like two followers, but like 40,000 tweets. I'm like, okay, this is, this is a waste of my time. But if it's somebody that like, I can go through their feed and I can, I can see how they think, what they think and where they're viewing this from, I, I'll attack it from a different, different way. So if I, if it's somebody that I know is like politically conservative, I'll tell them like, okay, these are, this is a narrative told to you by lobbyists. They get tons and tons of money from the federal government. And that's, that's the, the, the key that makes them. If, if I just like go back and forth with them, like, no, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. No, you're wrong. They're never going to listen to anything I have to say. But once I know like how they're thinking and like where they're coming from, I'll have like a, a little like niblet that I can, I can give them to show them like, Hey, this is, this is what you need to be looking at. And, and so if, if it's somebody who's like a little more left leaning, I, I can, I can attack it with a whole different, uh, different argument. Yeah. And that's and that's really the truth behind it is what, you know, what both sides of the aisle don't seem to get is that it's not this isn't political. You can't pin it. You can't pin it to Biden. You can't pin it to Democrats, Republicans, because this is this is an overarching thing that's going that's happening. If I had any any hair, I'd I'd tear it out. I I can't stand it when people like immediately jump straight into, uh, oh, it's X, Y, and Z's fault or it's Red's fault or Blue fault. It just, you know, um, there's a really good saying called uh, uh, thought ending cliches or something like that. 
And th- and that's all it is. It's just, you know, they they got their programming in. This is what the programming tells me to say. Opinion discarded. Yeah. And, and, and that's that's one of the reasons why I, I, I care so much about making this type of content, too, because in the at the end of the day, it, it is unifying. Like mm-hmm. like when it comes to these issues in the transportation industry, like I mentioned, or it's it's it, it covers so many other industries because we're seeing it in nursing and teachers and stuff like that. And it's just the, the narrative that we're being sold. It's like, hey, you got to realize, like, there's no Republican answer or Democratic answer. That's like there's a there's a right answer out there. And you need to realize that it's an overarching establishment. There's people who get rich off of this. There's people who are being enriched or saying powerful and everybody else is is kind of is kind of suffering because. Of yeah. It. When you when you talk to like a rando on the street or just, you know, you know, you, you work at a bar sometimes when you tell people that you're a truck driver, how often do you get that response of, oh, my brother is a truck driver or my dad was a truck driver. My cousin. Everybody knows somebody personally who is a truck driver. Yeah. They all, they all know somebody they're related. Oh, so he drove for 10 years. Yeah. My dad, somebody drove for 10 years. It's always the topic. Somebody always knows some, somebody connected to it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's not just like a small group of people. This, this isn't political. This, this encompasses like everybody from all walks of life of all political persuasions. And when it comes to a short, I think there, there is true shortages of uh, skilled trades. I, I think this is factual because the salaries are showing it. I, I worked for a wholesale, a plumbing and heating wholesaler for three years. That was my first kind of entry into logistics. And I taught, I spoke with plumbers, HVAC guys all the time. And just the, in just the, and what's crazy is, is there's barriers to entry to those skilled trades. And I think yeah, that's what something, do you, what do you, how about that? <laughs> yeah. You, you know, you have to go to the school and then while you're at that school, you have to be an apprentice. Like it takes a long time, like f- to go from, you know, a, a trade school to owning your own plumbing business can, should could take, you know, the better part of six to 10 years, so to speak. But in yeah. trucking, you can go to your CDL school, uh, you know, your taxpayer funded CDL school via Prime Incorporated, and then you can get your CDL and then immediately lease purchase a truck from them. And you're a business owner. And it's like, whereas in plumbing and in HVAC, that's impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Political conservatives will bemoan how, you know, any student in high school can go out there, go to college and rack up six figures in student debt, yet they won't even blink an eye at somebody going through CDL school and then, you know, leasing a truck for six figures. You know, it's, it's the same thing. But at least with the truck, you can uh, go bankrupt and, you know, that, that debt isn't haunting you for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Compared, compared to student loans. Yeah. You can at least... You could just yeah go for bankruptcy and you can just walk away scot scot free. But the, yeah, the, the the skilled trades definitely is shortage because and the pay is reflective of it. And I, and that's the thing. It's like that there is no because when people go into the skilled trades, it's just like you can their turnover is that they're legitimately starting their own book of business and they're going out like most. I've never met a plumber who quit plumbing to become uh, to do anything else. I, I've never met some yeah, guys how, who quit. How about that? When I I can't like me for example, I went to trucking because I needed a job, but then. I'm driving a desk now. You you don't hear too much about uh, plumbers who um, are, are are plunging a desk. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the right analogy for that. The only thing a, a plumber and HVAC guy would do is they would grow a business large enough to the point where they have enough employees to where they're running the back office. Yeah, yeah. Or but they'll still go make house calls. But Gord mentioned this about a company that he drove. He hauled fuel for um, up in Canada. The uh, not, it wasn't pa- uh, Paddox. He said he drove mm-hmm. for a company named Paddox. And he said that, and that, because this is the difference between how his local fuel hauling job, because why the local jobs, 
the local truck driving jobs in this country suck too because the local jobs are all you're working every weekend for three to four years you're working you're 14 you got to commute to work they torture yeah they torture you out quick they, they burn you out you know the, the pepsi the coke jobs are tough whereas you know Gore, you know gord's job working at paddocks all the weekends were voluntary you know but for some but magically all the shifts were always filled hmm. and if one of them wasn't then one of the paddock guys would just drop, would just would go out there and drive. Yeah, and it's no, just like it, it really, it really sucks how working local so that you're home every day is kind of seen as like a luxury in the industry. And so those are the jobs that typically paid won't pay as well. Like there, are, there are definitely local jobs that you know do pay more than OTR, but they're few and far between, or they're locked behind, you know, a really high barrier to entry like at UPS. Yeah. yeah, good. Good luck trying to get a job at UPS right now with so many guys chasing that uh, hundred and well. Okay, I can't tell you how many guys reached out to me and were like, "One, is this legit? Is this a real number?" And I was like, "Let me get back to you." So I, I talked to a couple UPS drivers and I was like, "Okay, is this per team or per driver?" And they're like, "Oh no, it's per driver." So you you could be making one hundred seventy two thousand dollars in total compensation. Um, the the pay is actually about like one ten one fifteen. So the the one seventy five includes like your your benefits and all that, but um, it's team. And so many people don't want to work team. So that washes out like a ton of people right there. Um, but it's it's still a, re- a really hard uh, hard job to get into right now. Yeah, I mean, in UPS, I'm pretty sure you start in the warehouse. Like, you know, you don't just start uh, as, a, as a driver at, at UPS. You have to yeah, work your you, way up. You can. It all depends on the area you're in. So, like, where I was at in Philadelphia, Demand, they, were, yeah. they were so desperate for drivers. Because at the time, there really was a, a shortage of UPS drivers. Um, they bumped the starting rate to 28 an hour in Philadelphia. Um, and so these are what the, I think they were called feeder drivers. They, they use like a weird internal term for everything, but these were the guys that like basically go from the main hub to like the airport and pick up um, trailers full of like airmail and stuff. And then they take it back to the, the sorting facilities and yeah, 28 an hour you're working, you know, 12 hour shifts, not a bad gig. The only thing that would suck is the, the, the hours are, are weird and your days off probably aren't going to be very, very good. Um, plus, if you're trying to get like extra hours, um, any basically any senior guy, anytime they want, can just bump you off the, off the job, and then they, mm. they take they take your your spot. Yeah, so, senior, seniority rules. I know, and, and I, I get it. I understand like how and why seniority like takes place in organizations like that. But it was really frustrating in the post office where, you know, you you could have somebody that's been there for 20 years just being a complete slug. But because they branded for twenty years, you know they got all the best routes and the best pick of whatever hours they want. Uh, but then you'll get some like new young hotshot that like really wants to like you know prove what they got, and it's like get in line, kid. <laughs> yeah, and there's and there's pros and cons to that because like I, I kind of think I you know and I want to write for Gord Substack on this on how to change how to make the work life balance of trucking more sustainable because and I brought that up in case in Kansas City when I was there about how the pay and benefits are dismal like there's very little PTO like carriers don't give out like the yeah. standard is you don't get a week of PTO until after you're out until being OTR for a year and it's one week and it's not even paid out for an actual week that you'd be driving and like and that's another thing that I want is because yeah because that's where where people start to not like unions it's like oh yeah people hang around too long and they don't work as hard or it's like they don't like the seniority complex of it especially if somebody's younger and hungrier but i think that like that like especially if is you know these these companies who are primarily over the road they need to start triangulating and regionalizing because the over the road lifestyle is just not sustainable for people anymore they've they've been resting on boomers and gen xers and they took advantage of it 
And then now it's coming to roost and it's becoming unsustainable because younger people don't want to do it because they saw that it, it's killed people. They've lost their families and the pay is not even worth it anymore. So clearly, if, if all if, if millennials and Gen, Gen Z's saw that, they're not going to go out there and stay out there three weeks. And I get it. Some people live and die by the mile. That's what that's a lifestyle that works for them. But that's one percent of one percent. Yeah, if you, so it's if, like, if you grew up with like a parent that was in trucking and you never saw them, it's like, damn, do I really want to go into that? Some yeah. people, some people love it. I mean, there are definitely, what are we up to now? Three, four generation truckers in some families now. Yeah, it's it's just, and people aren't sticking around like that when they used to because the the money's not as green. And I think that that's one method that can get people to stay. It's like after so many years, like you can start picking your lanes. You're you're involved. Like I had mentioned that when I was in KC, is drivers, the trucking companies and carriers get caught up in silos, and this is something in corporate America that they talk about. You know how companies you shouldn't operate as silos where mm. where you, this department doesn't talk to this department and this oh, department yeah. doesn't talk, yeah. like and in trucking that's how it is drivers they kind of put the, oh these are the drivers that, when driver it's like no drivers are your coworkers they that, drive that, your that they're outside yellow. sales yeah that yeah. Ki- that killed yellow one hundred percent every every driver I've talked to them that's been there for for years um, once they started snatching up companies and they didn't like they didn't rebrand anything they kept the same. Um, um, I don't say art. I'm blanking on the word here. When uh, the logo, like they didn't change any of the logos. Um, though the uniforms, a lot of these guys will wear. Like, I'm talking to a yellow driver, but he's wearing like a roadway shirt. It's like, damn, dude, how long has roadway been been snatched up by yellow? So they were trying, like, right at the very end, to, to implement the whole like one yellow plan. But by then, it was it was like too little, too late. And that's my biggest concern about. Um, uh, we'll, we'll definitely get into Swift here in a second. Um, but the, these big mergers between like Knight Swift and um, U.S. Express and the other smaller regional carriers that they've gobbled up is um, one the name like they need to pick a name like are you are you Knight are you Swift are you U.S. Express like you know pick pick one pick a a flag I guess basically to like plant in the ground and say okay you work for us you are Team X Y and Z you are Team Swift blue blue and white I love the colors so you say okay we are Team Blue we're gonna make all our Drivers wear blue uniforms. You're going to be part of the blue cult. You need to be team uh, blue 24-7. And if you don't have like that cohesive company culture, you're going to be yellow. Guaranteed you. In like yeah. a, a short time. That's it. It, it. People have no idea how huge that is. And that, that, that came up during the driver POV panel. And it's like these the, the drivers need to be the, you know, they silo out the drivers. Yeah, there's not an identity there. They need to get the drivers involved. And as drivers, they, they work with the customer service team because your drivers, and I made this this reference, it's the first time I ever said it. I was like, your drivers, you, they're your outside sales reps. No matter how you look at it, like those are your outside, like those are your outside sales guys. They're interacting with your customers. They can go, if you check into a receiver, you could send a driver to go talk to a manager on behalf of so-and-so to put a face, that, like, because that's how sales is done in the, and the other business world, people like to put faces to names and stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's a way to get, to get the turnover, but yes, yeah, something's got to happen with, with Knight Swift and us express, because if they don't, especially with the trailers or, or so, yeah, something needs to happen or else they're going to go down t- the same road. T- take a page out of FedEx's book and UPS and the postal service. They all wear uniforms. You know, if it's good enough to put the kids in school through with uniforms and it imp- guess what? It improves the schools. It improves your company too. Yeah. We, uh, our friend uh, at Jackson Birchfield says, "Hey, how are you all doing, Jackson? What's up, man? What's up, man? Thanks for joining us on the on the live stream. We're actually about to get into something with Swift because this plays into our whole hundred and sixty thousand 
driver shortage narrative than Mr. Bob Good wants to keep preaching. And like, and like I, I mentioned this before the show, Bob Good, friend, he's friends with the Freedom Caucus. Like I said, we're making friends in Congress with Lauren Boebert and Josh Brasheen with the Drive Act preventing the speed limiters. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious where Bob Good was getting this intel. So I'd like to try to I'm going to have to try to hound him down. We'll see what we can do. But so Swift. Oh, go on. Yeah, I would love to talk to him because I, I guarantee the, guy, the guy's probably one. He doesn't know trucking inside in or out, nor 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 should he. Most of these guys are lawyers uh, for the most part. They they're just told whatever they're told to by by their people. Um, but Bob, I'm telling you, if you want to like win some votes, if you want to have every single truck driver in your state have your back, you know, stop listening to the ATA and start listening to your drivers. Yeah, no that that's the truth right there. Like that, you know, people think. Republicans think they've got drivers on their side because, uh, you know, they, you know, drivers are a little bit more conservative, but you'd be surprised. Drivers are, you know, uh, all different sides, of, all different sides of the aisle. So, yeah, he's got to actually, yeah, buckle down and figure that out. Well, I'll try to I'm going to try to maybe I'll send him a video or something. But let's let's talk about it with, with Swift here real quick. So I was on Facebook the other day. And uh, just perusing along, and I'm in a couple toxic Facebook pages. One of them is called "Truckers of Past, Present, and Future." That's a great page. Uh, yeah, shout out to a friend of the show, Chris Tackett. He's he's been on here before. Uh, he's in that show. He always uh, trolls people by talking about how great Volvos are. Um, <laughs> I say because Volvo, we all know Volvos is the best trucks on the road. Uh, Mac, Lo- Jamie Hagen would agree. Mac trucks. One of my, one of my favorite yeah. trucks I ever had in my career was a was a Volvo day cab. So it's fucking Cadillac, dude. I don't care what yeah. anybody tells you. You'll be you'll be blow you'll blow by. <laughs> you could have a you'll blow by a P P three seventy nine going uphill fully loaded any any day of the week. Don't let them fool you. But so I was on there and somebody had posted this picture, which it came over somebody's Qualcomm. And for those who are listening, it says, hey, hey, team, some big news coming out from the top. Some safety news as well, as well as one word. First news from the top. We are in a 911 situation when it comes from when it comes to freight and cost savings. We cannot be using the trucks to go home anymore. Also, deadhead must be controlled along with idling. With freight being, being very slow, we need to save every penny we can on to safety. We must be sending in a macro 39 every time we back. This is a requirement for even our experienced drivers. Macro 39s are to help prevent backing accidents, and they do work. Safety, safety, safety. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to call and ask. Thanks for all you do. The country appreciates it, even if they don't realize it. (laughs) So I I was sent that same photo. There's actually two of them. We'll show the the second one here in a minute. So my my eyes kind of glazed over because I've seen a million of these type of messages during my career. Um, they're all, every company is always going to tell you, Hey, watch your idling, blah, blah, blah. But when it said macro 39, when we back, I thought that was a typo. And so I thought macro 39 was like a message you have to send, like whenever you return to your hub or whatever. Yeah. When you're back Um, to the DC. Yeah. And then somebody was like, no, 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 man, you have to send that every time you put the truck in reverse. Every time you back the truck, you have to send a macro, a message, macro 39 over your Qualcomm. And then uh, let me share the other picture here. So this is what a macro 39 looks like. If I cue it up here. There you go. So macro 39 is their goal macro goal. Get out and look. Uh, Basically, it's a checklist. Uh, Did you verify the space was available for back? Yes. Was clearance on all sides checked? Yes. Are the doors secured? Yes. Tracked uh, trailer tractor plate number. 
Oh my God. This level of micromanagement is exactly why I left retail years ago. Um, I used to work at GameStop back in the day and you had to like fill out paperwork every time you took out the trash out there. If you had like a garbage can behind your, the, the counter there and it was full of like, you know, wrapping paper or whatever. If you had to throw that out to make room for yourself behind the counter, you had to fill out paperwork. I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Now imagine having that same kind of level of micromanagement, but now you're like a professional driver in charge of a 80,000 pound combination vehicle. It's just, it's just wild to me that this, because number one, the, the, the first message right there, like the first Qualcomm message alone. So the idling, I get it when I drove at Pam and this is a, every mega carrier does this. If it's above, I think if it's above 70 degrees uh, or your truck needs to be below or under certain temperatures for you to be able to idle it. Hmm. I think if it, yeah. Oh yeah. If it got lower than 70, the truck would shut off. But what sucks is when it's in the sixties, your truck will still get fucking hot. And yeah. so like it, it kind of, it, oh. kinda, if, it depends if you're driving like a, a, a black cab, you know, and the sun's out, there's no clouds. It could, it could be 50 outside and that, that truck will get hot. Yeah. It'll, it'll still get hot. And you have to, and I get it with the, and I, and I know, and I know that there's fuel savings, you know, Jamie Hagan from Hellbent Express came on here. He, he, you know, what you can save in you like, that's where a lot of businesses don't seem to realize where they can save some of their money is, is in fuel mm-hmm. uh, and fuel efficiency because on, on a yearly timeline, it adds up. And I get, so I get it with the idling and, and I, and with companies that large, I, I can, to a point, I can understand that now, but the other thing I'm curious about going home because Pam transport for as, you know, not good of a carrier, I, you know, would, would call them, you know, you still, still was able to take the truck home. They were very, very lenient on that. That was like a no problem. Like I remember they let me deadhead from Allentown PA to Connecticut when I was going home for Christmas, which, you know, so they were just like, oh yeah, drop the trailer, deadhead back. They're like, or deadhead over to, you know, to Connecticut. And I was like, oh really? Yeah. A lot of, a lot of care, um, a lot of companies, like if you have a driver there, they don't want to drop the truck off at the hub because, like you were saying earlier, if you take like a week PTO, guess what? Your truck's gone. They just take all your stuff out of your truck and they put someone else in there because if the truck's not not moving, they're not earning. So, um, I, I, most most companies I drove for, they're pretty small. So, like when I drove for Green Valley Transportation, the DOD contractor, they all they had was like one hub out in Tracy, California. Um, so everybody was taking their trucks home or wherever you had to park it. Um, when I was at Schneider, I think, hmm, I didn't, I didn't really have a home at the time. So I was always parking at the, the operating center in Indianapolis and then staying at the hotel across the street. But I think with them, um, you had to be within like a certain mileage, um, to, to be able to park at the, at home or, or, or vice versa. But it also depended like if you were on a dedicated account. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think with most, most places, like their, their policy is like, Hey, if your truck is parked more than like couple of days bring it here so we can we can get your stuff out and keep it moving yeah a lot of and i and i get it i understand that it's see at, at pam they let you take it home but i know at uh when i was at r&r solutions they they let me take it home and but when i was with them i never let the truck sit for a week but regardless they only they're a truck of, they only had a fleet of 25 trucks and normally my deadhead back home wasn't wasn't that bad and i tni i think is the biggest offender of slip seating TNI is the company out there. They're not, they, they pay very well. I know my trainer from Pam actually last I spoke to him, he was driving for TNI. He doing van. He makes very good money gross, but 
they have slip seating. And Walmart, I believe, does slip seating yeah, as well. Does, Walmart does too. I, I love talking to other drivers and because they'll they'll pack for the trip. You know, they'll have like one big bag, they stuff everything in it, and then that's what they've got for the week. So you, but, you get you do that after a while. You know, you get you get good at like getting in and out of the truck because you might you know every once in a while for shits and giggles, I'll, I'll look online and see whether or not Walmart's hiring in my area. And then the nearest DC to me is uh, Smyrna, uh, Smyrna, Delaware, and it's a um, hundred. It's, it's about a two and a half hour drive from me. So even after you've been on the road for a week, you know you got a two and a half hour drive home after that. Yeah, it's it would that's I've always what's crazy is it's just I, I always saw like if I didn't get my truck, I would have probably either wound up, I either probably wound up going something union nearby, probably like ABF. Or, or, or something or uh Everett's another good one but i live 30 minutes from a walmart dc and that would have been like m- money in the bank because that commute would have been easy uh and go and, and going there but this, um but sli- slip seating at walmart's not that bad because yeah. you, you're on a set schedule yeah I, I think most guys i've talked to it was like um you're out five days and home for two and then there's options to you know keep keep driving if you if you want but um again that's all seniority based and you have to you have to understand that like if, if it is slip sleep slip seat um that's hard to say if it's slip seat you know you're you're screwing up the schedule because now they gotta like rearrange some other things i have a company down the road for me called dabco transportation d-a-b-c-o if you ever see those guys out on the road they're i can literally walk to them from my house um and I've looked them up. They, they seem to be just like a small, small carrier out here in South Jersey. Um, mm. I, don't, I don't think I'd ever drive for them, but um, if I ever wanted to do some content with a truck, you know, I'll, I'll go knock on their door. <laughs> Dabco. The I the only thing I because there's always that rhetoric that carriers use, you know, that or people always say is, "Oh, the wheels ain't turning, you ain't earning." And it's like that right there to me. And I know some people hate this term, but it's it's like a it's like a gaslight when people say that because mm. you know if you own a brick and mortar. You cl- people close the store, you know, mm-hmm. people, so business get, it's like at the end of the day, people who run businesses and I get it. Amazon doesn't fucking close. I get it. There's 24 hour DCs. I mean, I just talked about it because I personally believe that there's a contingency in this country that actively roots for the uh, degeneration of the family. They, you know, people are having less kids, both members of the household are working, you know, your kids are at school all day, you know? So I think there's a contingency against that. And so that's this thing. We, there's this whole thing of culture. Oh, if the wheels aren't turning, it's not earning. It's just like, is that all we were put on this planet to do? I'm just getting a little philosophical. It's like, is yeah. that all we were put on this planet? To do? It's like, hey, man, the business is closed. Like, what's what's more important? Having, you know, better functioning, you know, homogeneous societies of everybody having a community and getting along or like we're just supposed to be in trucks 24-7, be in warehouses 24-7 and consuming 24-7. You know, it's it's kind of a meme at this point, but like the entire region of Europe just shuts down in the month of August. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, France. Yeah, France, Italy, Spain. Yeah, just basically the service industry just hangs out, and they're probably and, so, and they're probably and, having fun too. And then you know, guess what? The lights are still on over there. Yeah, and, he, and even I mean, even guys like Tucker Carlson are pushing this point. It's like, well, what about our GDP? And it's like, what the fuck does GDP do for people's like happiness, so to speak? Yeah. Like, you know, just because the GDP is high doesn't mean I, I don't know. I don't think GDP is indicative. Of, I mean, look at what's going on in our mental health wise. I, I just like you look at that type of shit. There's there's like a, a rising um, 
right-wing populist like anti-capitalist movement that like i don't think people are either able to see that it exists or wrestle with it because you know the 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 mindset is always well if you're on the left you're pro-union pro this pro this pro this and if you're on the right you're pro-capitalism blah blah blah. but there's like enough people that are like staunchly right-wing but very like anti um this like capital growth at all costs you know i i saw this tweet you know uh, God, probably about a year ago, it said the free market put uh, microplastics in your semen. Like, yeah. and I was like, I was just like, holy <laughs> shit! Like, you don't, you don't see. I can't wait to use that. You don't, you don't see like talking points like that from you know Republicans or or even so much conservatives in here. But like online, it's just the wild west at this point. I'm like the fr- the fringes, the fringes out there, and I I, I see attitudes like that are going to be. Um, they're going to be growing, especially in like the younger generations now, because they're seeing, you know, one, like if, if you're like an 18 year old kid right now, you got parents that were like tip of the spear millennial. Like I'll, I'll be 40 in a couple of weeks. So if I had a kid when I was 20, he's 20 now. Um, yeah, and, wild. And, and, and there's no way in hell that I would have the same, um, expectations of like an improvement of like their living standards that I would have had from my dad. Like my my dad's like a retired Air Force Air Force vet. He's he's got like twenty seven acres in South Carolina. He's he's living like a nice nice comfy retirement. And I'm like, damn, I'm not gonna have that at all. Yeah, yeah, me. I'm like running on fumes. Of, yeah, I can I can only imagine if I had a kid. I mean, I do. I mean, I'm friends with people who had kids like right out of high school, and you know they have you know they have they have kids who are teenagers now, and it's just like, and some of these people. I, you know, the, yeah, they're not going to have what their their parents had. That that whole separation. Yeah, the the idea of kind of sort of laissez faire capital. Well, here's the thing. Actually, before I get ahead, it, it, like all the evidence is online. I had just seen a video. A friend of mine sent me about this. It, it had to do with I forget what state, but it had to do with uh, pig farms. And essentially, you know, about how this guy who uh, be, you know he ended up working for this one pig farm. Then he gets into politics. And essentially, he passes this. He passes this. He pushes this certain state legislation through, and the state legislation, is like railroads all these other pig farmers in order to um, make you know have this one like empire factory uh, pig slaughterhouse. And so it's it's so it took like that's and that's the thing. And this is where vegans get some of their propaganda because that you know because nobody loves factory farms, but factory farms aren't just a product of you know, greedy, evil, or just, just capitalism as it stands. It's, it's this sort of laissez-faire capitalism that is actually more of like a, an oligarchy. And that, that, that's the thing. It's just, you had these people who were kind of like nobles, they got involved in politics, they worked to get legislation passed and they lobbied and kind of lied about it in a sense of it's going to save people money. Because what I think it did with this pork is the price of pork was like, two between two and four dollars a pound and then because this factory farm now it was like pennies on the dollar it was like cents mm-hmm. per pound so it's just like oh well now all of a sudden it's cheaper so the world's shaving it's just like but on a long enough timeline now we have microplastics in our fucking semen <laughs> and, and that and that and like that's that's where it gets us and it's just and it and it's sold down the tube as oh it's cheaper everything's cheaper and it's just like and if all we're thinking of is making things cheaper it, you, you know you, you pay cheap you're gonna get cheap you know, along, you know, things have value and people made it valuable for, for certain, for certain reasons. I, I, I go insane when I watch like Netflix documentaries about any kind of like chemical company and just like the, the horrific things that they've been able to like get it like Teflon. Oh my God. 
Like I, I will never like have another Teflon product in my house ever again. And it's and it's the same like, oh okay. Then they they like admit publicly, okay yeah Teflon's bad, but guess what? We have Chemical X now, and that's literally what they called it, Chemical X. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's like oh no, well the Chemical X is like you know found to have you know all these other properties too. It's like holy cow man, like cast iron. I'm just gonna have cast iron for like all of my cooking utensils for the rest yeah. of my life. <laughs> I know, but I, my every time I'm on the road. I, I was just on the road. My wife's texting me. She's going down these Netflix rabbit holes about the same thing. She's like, we need a garden. Like, I don't care if we start in the fall. We need to figure out how we can have a certain gardens because I just keep finding out about all these different companies that have just poisoned us over the years. And it's just like, that's a result. You know, that's the result of, you know, on this long enough timeline of voting for the lesser of two evils and letting the way politics says the way it's, you know, bulldozed itself. It's fucking wild. I, if if I want to get like real like philosophical, what what I see happening, and like not to say like I'm endorsing any of the, any of this happening, but I really do think that like we're the the country as a whole is definitely like fracturing into like smaller regions. Um, what that means as far as like the supply chain, I got no idea. But um, you know the, the 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 idea of like a national divorce is like really popular lately, and only becoming like more and more, like. Five six years ago, if you just said, "Oh yeah, America's going to go through a national divorce," you know, in the in the near future, people thought you you're insane. They're not saying you're insane now. They're not, and they're not saying no, it's not going to happen. They would say, "Well, what would that look like?" And like uh-huh. that that right there is like step one. Just, oh, that's just, it. Just the, just the fact that you're not even saying no, it will never happen now. And instead of going, instead you're going, "Well, what would that look like?" It's like okay, that's like a huge like you just went from zero to one, right there. Yeah, you know? and, it, and it might you might have to get to like ten or twelve or fifteen. Uh, before you reach that point but that's that's like right there oh, step number one yeah you can you can there's i'm pretty sure there's a subreddit for it but you can easily balkanize the u.s like there is such an argument to to balkanizing and and in a way it does practically make sense you you, you split you know the u.s into seven different seven different sovereign states under the union of the united states for for like military purposes and like for military and naval purposes but essentially they operate as like because you know in at least in europe like trucks are going from france to germany to belgium trucks are going to different countries all the time so they have that how about that separate separate countries still trade with each other yes ah crazy (laughs) so so they haven't figured out so there's no reason why you couldn't balkanize the u.s still use the dollars you know still but you know, but a dollar in Mississippi is different than a dollar in Connecticut. Yeah, you know, a, yeah. Do, a dollar in Montana is different than a dollar in Texas. So it's like, there's the argument's definitely there. And yeah, ten years ago they'd be like, "Oh man, you're 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 secessionist," and now it's just like, "Well, <laughs> maybe." <laughs> I mean, just look at it. Like people, people online that are always like, "Oh, go back to your go back to your country, go back to this," and it's like, "You first, okay?" It's like, yeah. okay. like literally, literally take that argument and just apply it to like everybody. Like it's 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 wild. I, again, I, I I this this is all just like pie in the sky thinking. I I really have no idea what's going to happen. I just as as soon as I saw the rhetoric change from like it will never happen, stop talking about it to like, huh? Okay, how well, you know when you're when you're asking like, what do we do with the nukes? It's like okay, that's right. That right there is like a big step in that direction. Just yeah. just the, just the fact that you're entertaining the idea is mm-hmm. is is enough to be like, oh shit, this is happening. That's where I'd have to reel it in. It's like, yeah, you're right. There's nukes everywhere. That's sort of and actually, and at the end of the day, to bring this all home, all of this can be avoided, and we can actually unify this country if we simply, if we stop, if we need to end macro thirty nines, we need to end the driver <laughs> shortage narrative, and we need to just, you know, we need to start taking take care of each other more. 
you and like just as a company you need to like like have a little bit of self-reflection and like i'm not i'm not trying to like pick on these guys but like just realize that you're you're at the point where you have to have your drivers send a message every time they back up like that if i'm an executive at that company i'm i'm like i'm like steaming mad i would never want it to i would never want my company to reach that point i would i want to have the best company on the planet i want drivers beating down the door and doing everything they possibly can to like work for me, and and I don't I don't think enough companies are are holding themselves to that kind of ha- that that high of a standard because they're they're there's just they're so massive right now. I, I'm I hate the phrase "too big to fail." It's the opposite. Everything get everything that gets too big eventually like just crumbles under its own weight. Yeah, it's that, inevitable. That... It's, it's entropy. It's inevitable. I know. And I can't imagine having that level of mentality. It's like, it's almost as if they've, it's just the drivers are just like a, a nuisance at this point to companies like Swift to where it's just like their training and development team are just like, you know what we've had, you know, say, I don't know the numbers, but it's just like, oh my God, we had 10,000 backing incidents this year. Make them send a macro. Like, it's just like, this is like, they don't have time to address it because all they're thinking about is getting the next customer, keeping these rates, getting the rates, driving rates down, whatever, like, there's so many different things you're doing between equipment, insurance, their customers, all these pickups. There's so much going on that just when it comes to their safety initiatives and all that's in their hiring, it's like it's 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 at this point it's just a nuisance. And it's just you're right. It, it's like I like I said, I've said it before. Wave a magic wand. I want to be the first form of trucking. Yeah, I want people beg. I want people begging to be at the at the at the ground floor of my company, working in the warehouse. There's people at first mm-hmm. form. Their warehouse jobs like. You know, people who love working at their warehouse, people who love pe- packing their boxes. You order first form products. There are notes written by their warehouse workers oh, with your cool. name on it, writing like writing names to you. It's like that's that, that's that level. Like, you know, there's people now who are going to be banging on UPS's doors. There's pe- people are banging on Walmart stores. Like, yeah. why don't you want to be that? And, I, and I've worked for companies in the past where like, like Publix is a really good one. Um, every single person that works at like the C-suite level there, they all started from the ground. But but they do that by design. They they only promote within the company. You you cannot get hired as a manager or a supervisor or anything at at Publix. You have to start at the bottom and then work your way up. Um, can't I'm not saying that like all companies can can emulate that. Obviously, if you're a huge operation, you need to be hiring from whatever sources you can. But I mean, you just you just have to like just just look at the situation you're in. Of like, of just, like I can't imagine like having a company where I have to like micromanage tens of thousands of people at that level it's yeah. it's, an, it's an impossible task because now you're you have people at the very bottom all your drivers who are no longer your best asset now they're your greatest liability and it's a constant churn of of people being flushed in and out and then you have to have like the layer of bureaucracy above that um and that i'm sure the turnover in that layer isn't isn't all that great either like one nobody wants to be micromanaged to death and two like the, the kind of person that you want that the kind of person who would love to have a job where they get to micromanage people all the time that that person's a tyrant like they should never be in that kind of position to begin with the the best kind of safety person is somebody who like literally has to do nothing all day you have drivers that are trained to do their job well and that you trust enough to like let them loose on the public and then not have to, you know god forbid something catastrophic happens then you can have a safety team to like step in and and, and kind of like um was it the FAA? Like whenever a plane crashes, um, I'm sorry, the, or who was that? The NTSB. Like that's who, that's who you want your safety people to be. You want you want them to be there when like something goes wrong and they can fix a problem so that like, it never happens again. 
Instead, we have these like companies where they have to have just these massive safety departments uh, constantly babysitting everybody twenty four seven. Yeah, it's it's a it's a level of over it. Like we might have to, we should start shaking down Jocko and maybe seeing what Ooh. he and like. I think I think if we if we hound Jocko's Twitter, he engages on Twitter sometimes. I think if we can get him. We should get him. We should. We need to start sending him this data. It's like stealth sending him this data. Yeah, like, yeah. dude. I, I'm um, I'm a big fan of Martyr Maid on uh, on Twitter, and like he's real tight with Jocko. I will be hounding him constantly on Twitter, and then um, probably not this year because it's pretty booked up. But like, if we could get Jocko for like F three next year, oh my god. Yeah, that would be would, intense. That, he would. He would just minds would just explode, because I don't. I don't think enough. I don't think enough companies out there understand. Um, just how that kind of le- le- level of leadership works. I-, I think, I think just a small percentage of like what what Jocko uh, preaches out there would just like completely change the trucking industry overnight. Yeah, no, w- without a doubt. For anybody out there listening, if you haven't read Extreme Ownership, I know I shouted mm-hmm. it out last episode. Um, it, it'll, you know, whether you whether you know whether you just want fitness motivation or you want to start a business or anything like that or you're in or you're in a management position or you're at the ground floor it's just really great sound business advice and i'm glad yeah i'm glad glad we brought this up but um i'm not gonna lie man i gotta i gotta use the bathroom but uh but <laughs> oh we'll look, come on man what kind of trucker are you we go once yeah. a day yeah well no i normally i'd have a gatorade bottle right <laughs> right, right by here and i just let it rip uh, that would be that would be so on brand but <laughs> No, I went right in the middle of recording. Oh, in the, yeah, right in the middle of recording. Uh, sometimes that's what I'll have to do before I. This is a little. If anybody stuck around this long, sometimes before I record with somebody, because I'll be in my truck ready to record, and I'll be like, and I'll have to go to the bathroom, and it's like, well, I'm not going to walk ten minutes and then walk back and keep the yeah. guests waiting. No, I'm going to rip. I'm going to rip right here. <laughs> do it later. But uh, no, man, I want to want to thank you for coming on, and we'll do this a little bit more regularly, like anytime because. I like to just come on and go live and talk about like freight news. And honestly, it's, it, I think it's a really good thing. And I like getting people like you and Rachel and stuff to come on. So we'll, we'll be do anytime you're free. We'll be doing this a little bit more often. Absolutely. Yeah, this as, long, as long as you're down. Yeah. And also I'm going to get you in touch. Did you ever talk with um, Chris Polk from blue ribbon logistics? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I went on their show That's right. a couple, That's month, right. couple months back. I want to, I need to get him on here. So I need to reach out to him because he's a good dude. And I just, I want his, he tells a really, yeah, Chris Polk, for anybody listening, he works for a company called, well, he started a company called Blue Ribbon Logistics Theory Capacity. Uh, you know, they're fleet owners with Landstar, phenomenal businessmen. Um, I, they, like I said, uh, I have, you know, pros and cons regarding the contractor model in this industry. I don't think it's perfect, but I don't think it's, it needs to be completely abolished, like with AB5. And I think guys like Chris Polk and his partner um, have mastered it well. And I think they're doing something good. And I, I want they, their story needs to be amplified yeah. way more too. Because they're, they're not training drivers; they're training future business owners. And I, they, I don't, I don't think people understand exactly what it is because they, they look at him and they see, oh, this is just a guy like trying to hire drivers and not pay them anything. It's like, no, 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 no. Trust the process. We, yeah, it's a saying we have in Philly. Trust the process. Yeah, he's not, he's not doing stuff like G, what G Face is doing. Like, hey, send oh, me two thousand dollars. Oh, you need twenty thousand dollars for your truck, and then we're also going to start you a brokerage so you can double broker these loads to yourself and other people because you, you can only get loads from TQL, dude. He, he's trying. G Face is trying to legitimize himself too, but no, Chris Polk is actually teaching guys how to run the business. And Jamie Hagen, I'm pretty sure, is doing Jamie. this with. Jamie, I, I was thinking of him because of Jamie Hagen. We we posted that clip of him on what the truck from last week talking about getting averaging ten miles per gallon, 
so many people in the comments were just like, this guy's full of shit. He's lying, blah, blah, blah. And Chris jumped in. He says, this whole comment section is full of uh, public school education or something like that. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so good. It's it's It was funny <laughs> to hear people's disdain for Jamie talking about how he gets 10 miles per gallon in the Mack trucks uh, while he's while he's loaded. But yet I, I think he came on my show and he's I think that I think Mack trucks are what, 2 percent of the market share of trucks out there on the road. Like they used yeah. to be the majority. They used to be the most amount of trucks out there were Mack. Now they're down to 2 percent. So it's funny how all these other drivers call bullshit on max fuel efficiency but no one's driving that yeah yeah no no and it's, it's part of his jealousy and half, half the comments i'd say were like oh screw mileage i got places to be and it's like dude you're literally like running yourself unprofitably like take take a lesson from a guy that's probably earning twice what you do with you know just a, just a, a slightly lighter foot um and the other the other people were like well if you're driving as slow as he does you're losing 60 miles a day and it's like okay, you're you're not thinking in terms of like fuel savings. You, um, Jamie had a really good uh, post a couple months back about like you you can't outrun your mileage, like you you can't run the extra mileages um, to make up for whatever fuel. Um, it balances you're out. Yeah. It, it it will always balance out. I I made the health comparison about that. People think they run all these miles, you're gonna make all this money, you're gonna pay for it. By being, you know, because you're going to have doctor's appointments in your 40s. But it's the same thing with your fuel. Like, just because you were able to run 700 miles in a day, at some point, you're going to get caught up at a shipper waiting on a load. But you're going to have a load that's only going 250 miles. It's going to pay good money. You're going to have to sit on a weekend. You're going to have to do a reset. Yeah, you can't outrun. Yeah, you, like the getting the fuel efficiency is more important than getting the miles. It's, that's that's no doubt yeah. for, for anybody saying that. But, uh, hey, man, no. Thanks again for coming on. Ninety minutes talking. Yeah, right on the dot. Yeah, talk, talking smack. So if you if you are listening, don't support the the trucker. Call your congressman. Call whoever. Call Bob Good. Tell him the Trucking Workforce Improvement Act is not good. And, tell him uh, to speak to drivers. Yeah, tell him to talk to drivers, not to the not to the ATA. And for you guys out there, just to wrap this up, if you are a driver and you're listening to this, please reach out to me. You can go to lumbartrucking.com. All my contact info is there. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere at Lumbar Trucking. Shoot me a DM. Like I said, there's nothing more valuable than the story of drivers who are out there on the road doing the work, paying their dues. We want to hear everything, you know, your life story. So feel free to reach out. Uh, but with that, Justin, you got any parting words? Words um, Yeah, shutdowns don't work. <laughs> yes. No. As we were Truck- saying. No, yeah. um, it took me a long time to get rid of the saying "stay safe." Every day at the post office was always "stay safe" to stay safe. Um, safety third. That's that's a good one. Keep <laughs> keep that in mind. Safety third. Safety third. You heard it, you heard it from there. You heard it from Justin Best. And if you want to go find him, he's on Twitter at Super Trucker. And then where else are you at? Um, so I run the Freightways Back the Truck Up uh, Twitter FW What the Truck. Same for uh, TikTok. Um, I've also kind of taken it upon myself to start running a little more of the FreightWaves account. So if you start seeing it sharing or liking or retweeting stuff, uh, that's all me. Awesome. So you guys know where to go follow. Yeah, give What the Truck some love. Give uh, give Super Trucker some love. Yeah, and then also go uh, check FreightWaves. Anything Freight News related, um, go, you're, you're, minus, you're better off going to FreightWaves first over any of the major news outlets. Uh, they got a great, great team up there. Yeah. Uh, Freight Waves does what other media sources don't, and that's talk to drivers. And they also have drivers like Dooner, like Justin, uh, who who work for their who work for their their 
their organization. So keep that in keep that in mind when it comes to where you're getting your freight news. But uh, other than that, guys, that, that's going to do it for episode 91. We're gonna we're gonna go back to the bench. Take care.